Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. Hey, welcome back into the Leaning into Leadership podcast. I got to tell you, this week's episode is one of my favorites. Now, in truth, I love every episode that we've done, but this particular episode features Sheriff Brett Schrotlin. So who is Sheriff Brett Schrotlin? I will tell you that Brett Schrotlin is the sheriff of Grand County, Colorado, a community that I spent four years of my life as a school superintendent and worked closely with Brett on so many different projects. And it wasn't just simply that we worked together as we managed our way through the pandemic, as we managed our way through the second largest wildfire in the history of the state of Colorado, as we managed our way through learning school safety collectively as a group. No, it was much bigger than that. For me, it was building a leadership relationship and friendship with Brett Schrotland. And I'm so excited to share that conversation with you today. It's just like the conversation that I had with Derek Keller a few weeks ago. Leadership is leadership. Great leadership is great leadership. And in Brett Schrotland's case, he was faced with an unbelievable challenge during the second largest wildfire in the history of the state of Colorado. I know I've already said that once and you're going to hear me say it a bunch during this episode. But folks, that's how big of a deal it was. His leadership was impeccable. And he's going to tell you why and he's going to tell you how it happened. Let's dive right into that conversation right now. Enjoy this conversation I had with my friend Brett Schrotland and I'll see you on the other side. All right, Brett, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Um, this is a conversation I really have been looking forward to for a while. Um, just really quick, uh, tell my listeners a little bit about who you are, and then we're going to dive in. Great. Thanks, Darren, for including me today. So my name is Brett Schrotland. I'm the sheriff in Grand County, Colorado. Um, for those of you that aren't familiar, Grand County is in northwest Colorado. Um, our county seat is Hot Sulphur Springs. Uh, we're about 90 minutes northwest of the Denver area. Yeah, yeah. And and, and I guess just for, for full um, full disclosure here, uh, Grand County, Colorado is where I used to live, where I was a school superintendent on the west side of the county. And Brett mentions Hot Sulphur Springs is the county seat. It was also where my house was. Uh, beautiful, beautiful area. Um, you know, Brett, we were talking just before, before hitting the record button um, about just – all of the, you know, all the tourists that, that you're seeing right now in Grand County. And, and obviously, I mean, it's, we call it America's playground. I mean, there's just so much that's there. Um, what, are, what, are, what are some of the challenges that you guys are seeing right now just related to all the people coming into county? You know, I think everyone's kind of wrapping up with uh, the last couple of years of COVID and not being able to get out and about as much. Um, and we're seeing that tourism here, you know, on a Wednesday, just yesterday, uh, we just see a massive amount of tourists already coming through our county. Um, you know, usually we're seeing that on our weekends, but right now we're seeing it just every day. Our call volume is high. We're just seeing just massive amounts of traffic. People are wanting to get out. People are wanting to come up here and fish and hike and hit the rivers. There's so many awesome recreational opportunities up here in the summer. And people are really taking advantage of those. You can definitely tell that people are motivated for summer and summer's here and they're ready to make it happen. 
it's, well, it's a great time to start here. It really, it really is, and I, I will tell you, you know, when it comes to beautiful places to be in the summer, it's hard to beat Grand County, Colorado. I mean, you, between the lakes, the rivers. Um, I mean, for me, it was always the Jeep trails. I mean, we didn't even come close to hitting every trail in in the in the four years that we were there. Um, it's you know, impossible. Yeah, yeah. I, I would bet, even even being the sheriff in the county, there are probably some some of those trails that you haven't even been on. Oh, absolutely. You know, we have 1,850 uh, square miles in our county, and each one of those is a different experience. You know, wherever you want to go from one side of the county to the other, um, there's different experiences. Like you mentioned, the Jeep trails and the hiking and the fishing and the boating. There, there's an opportunity for everybody here. Yeah, and and, and no, folks, this, ses- this portion of the show is not sponsored by Grand County Tourism, but it might as well be. You know, we're sure. definitely helping you, helping you plan your summer vacation or your winter vacation for that matter, too. So, so Brett, the reason that, uh, that I asked you to be on, on this podcast, um, you know, we're, we're, I don't know, 25, 30 episodes into the podcast, and it, it, it's been a lot of, interviewing with educational leaders but you you know you and I know each other well you know my passion for leadership just in general and to me leadership is leadership whether it's in the educational space in the public service space in the business space it doesn't matter um, talk to me a little bit about maybe just your viewpoints your take on what it takes to to be a really good leader so, so, you know, law enforcement leadership is a lot like um, leadership, as you mentioned, whether you're a school superintendent, whether you're a city or county manager, um, law enforcement leadership, especially as an elected sheriff, is very, very similar to that. Um, I really believe that leadership begins with people, um, is that um, in order to be a good leader, you have to have a good vision for people. You have to have a good vision for your organization, and you have to be able to interact with those people who are really your core to make the actual leadership experience work for you and work for them as you're, as you're moving that experience outward and involving into new things, um, as you're managing by leading around or moving around. Um, there's a lot of key focus working with people. And I think if you're a people person, you remain humble and you continue that uh, leadership experience, um, th- th- there's a lot of success being had by that. So, so maybe uh, let's, let's, let's go a little bit further. Let's, let's talk a bit yeah. more about people in leadership and, and just even specifically in your area and, and not necessarily just in Grand County, but I know you are Western States um, uh, Sheriff's Association. Is, am, am I saying that one right? You're, you're a part of that leadership group as well. Um, who, who are some people that, that maybe both in law enforcement, maybe outside of law enforcement, and, and not necessarily by name, but you know, some people that maybe you've learned some some specific leadership lessons from or that you've gained well and i think that uh i think it's it's really key i have a lot of great mentors but i also think it's important that the listeners clearly understand that the connection that you and i have established when you were a superintendent here within the west grand school district and me as the sheriff you know you've offered many leadership um, um experience and guidance towards me um i've learned from some of your um leadership and experience and that, that's gone a long way um, is kind of a younger leader in law enforcement. You know, I've been in, in this for 25 years, but I'm still fairly young. Um, I still I learn a lot of things from people that um, have that leadership experience. I have a couple of local police chiefs that I rely on. Um, as you mentioned, 
Um, I'm the president this year of Western State Sheriff's Association. So that encompasses sheriffs from the 17 Western states, everything west of the Mississippi. Um, and there's a vast amount of knowledge and leadership experience within those 17 states. And so even being the leader and president of an association like that, you still rely on people that you know have solid leadership experiences um, to, to guide you as you move forward making our business decisions for that association as well. Yeah. So, um, and, and, and thank you for that. I wasn't looking for a, looking for a plug for my own leadership, but uh, I, I, no, I appreciate that. But, but it's, it's true. <laughs> it's, uh, it is 100% true. And I think it's what has led to this conversation today is that leadership, um, you got to be humble. You got to be able to reach out and uh, get guidance and expertise from other people that have it and different experiences. And as you and I have talked before is that, yeah, we're both not law enforcement officers and, we're, and I'm certainly not a superintendent, but we still face the same challenges. Uh, we still face, um, you know, the same difficulties and we also share the same successes. And so I think a lot of that has to do with um, just the great partnerships that come from leadership. Yeah, I, well, and, and I think I think you're hitting on, you know, something that that definitely is a common theme uh, here on the podcast, and that is that you know we really need to lean into people, and we need to be willing to, and, and like you said, be humble. We need to be willing to learn from others and and understand that you know we we can learn from all types of different experiences, and and it's a big part of you know having you here on the leaning into leadership podcast is, you know, you have some experiences that school superintendents are never going to have the opportunity to learn from. And, and well, aside from maybe a couple who had to deal with uh, from their own perspective, managing a massive wildfire, but I, I want to jump into that. So, so folks, um, year and a half ago, um, October of 2020, the East troublesome fire, in uh, in Grand County, Colorado, um, second largest wildfire in the history of the state, and um, I'll put I'll put a link in the the show notes where you can go and, and see a couple of stories about that, and maybe get a little bit of a, a scope of just how massive this this fire was and how explosive it was in in like what a nine hour period overnight. Yeah. Um, but I guess Brett, let's 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 start here on East Troublesome Fire. As the sheriff of the county, your involvement was was vast, without question. But maybe explain for for folks who don't know and understand kind of how those incident management structures work. Just exactly what was your role in managing this devastating event? Yeah, absolutely, Darren. So Colorado is actually very unique. So in Colorado, the sheriff is actually by law, the fire warden as well, which basically means that we, that I handle any fire that occurs in unincorporated Grand County outside of a fire district or any fire that exceeds the capabilities of a local fire district. And so obviously all fires start small. I mean, we know that they start with one spark and they get as big as they're going to get. East Troublesome got big. There's no doubt about that. Um, but as you work into this system, as this fire gets larger, we're all familiar with the incident command system. And uh, that is really a vital part of this is that the incident starts small with really that first responder. And over the course of that incident, the incident expands. And so then you add in there your operational staff, your PIOs, your logistics people, all these people. And eventually in a big fire like this, 
you bring in what's called a federal incident management team, a type one or type two incident management team that, that comes in. And these are true experts that come into our community and help us manage these large fires. And so, as we mentioned before, partnerships are super, super important. That communication component is super important because we have to have those skills to be successful in moving this fire forward. And so as we look at that, as the fire gets larger, as people get more excited within our communities, you gotta stay in communication with your community. You gotta keep those partnerships within your community going. And as a sheriff, you have to lead. Um, just like if you have a critical incident in a school district or in a school, the superintendent or the principals need to lead. This is my time to lead. This is when all the eyes of your community are looking at you. This is when your staff is looking at you for direction. This is when other county departments are looking at you for direction. And this is when this big incident management team is looking to you for guidance and that local knowledge that comes with uh, with being a sheriff. And so quick backstory, you know, 100,000 acre gro growth in just over an evening. Um, you know, that's unprecedented in uh, Colorado history, as Darren mentioned, you know, second, second largest wildfire um, 193,000 acres from start to finish. But the key is we had about 100,000 acres in one night. And so that that is massive amounts of uh, stress that comes upon our agency and, and me as a leader as well. Um, you know, you plan and you plan and we plan for the worst, but really, do you really plan to that level? You just never know until the time yeah. is there and, and your leadership is tested. Yeah, because there's no way you could have envisioned you know a hundred thousand acres in a night you know and, and but, but i will say this i mean obviously you you the team collectively having the foresight to evacuate the grand lake area and the the willow creek uh, canyon area when when it didn't look like that was you know going to be an issue and then i mean the next morning clearly the right decision um, you know, a, a tremendous amount of lives were saved, I think, as a result of that. But um, what what goes into that type of a process? I mean, you know, it's not just simply, you know, you or or one of the, you know, the fire chiefs saying, hey, we should just do this or or is it that simple? How does that work? It, it is quickly making decisions on the fly and you have to rely on kind of what you know about fire behavior, that geographic experience of what you know about our county. Um, and then what you know about our system and what can our system actually take and withstand. And part of that area for those of the people that aren't familiar with it is the Highway 34 corridor. And immediately in that night of the fire, um, we lost access through Rocky Mountain National Park, which would normally put the people out into the Estes area. And we lost access because of downed trees and fire on that side of Grand Lake. And so literally that gave us one access road, which is Highway 34, all the way down out of this area into Granby. Um, my undersheriff uh, made a great uh, decision that night and he actually turned Highway 34 into two-way traffic heading south. So we literally had all the traffic heading down the highway. And that's a quick decision that has to be made on the fly, but that decision actually saved a lot of lives. And so we were able to quickly put together a plan. And, and I think my point with this is as the sheriff, that ultimate responsibility and, and lies on me. However, you really have to trust your people. And uh, I really, really believe in the fact that you have to trust your people. And I've talked with my staff time and time about that. Um, I very much believe in um, 
more discretionary type policies rather than restrictive policies. And then an officer or a deputy is able to make a decision um, based on some principles and kind of live in a box, but still being able to make those decisions rather than have a specific policy set for, um, you know, one thing. Because in law enforcement, when we have one option, that option often fails. So if my staff can make the best option at the time and I trust them making those decisions, that's key. And I want to finish with this is that it is so important in a critical incident like this because my span of control as a leader was lost. Um, there is no way that I can, in a large incident like this, quickly evolving like it was, I have to manage and lead the incident as a whole. I can't focus on specific roads and specific evacuation zones. Um, just like, you know, let's circle this back to the schools is if you have a unfortunate active shooter situation in a school, you as a superintendent or a principal, you need to lead that entire response. You can't focus on how to get one specific classroom out of there. You have to rely on your teachers to make that happen. Same, same with the fire is put that faith, put that trust in your staff and your staff will amaze you. You will, you'll be so surprised at the end of the day uh, at the great work that your staff does. I think that is just such a critical point. Um, I, I want to loop back on, on, on the school safety thing. Um, we, I, I don't think we even initially planned to talk about that, but I do, uh, oh, do no, want to touch great. on that. But, um, but I think what you're talking about right there, I mean, just putting trust in your people. Um, the trust is obviously something that, that you have to earn, that you have to gain, that you have to work your way through, and, it, and it's established over time. But I think another element that that you're talking about without really hitting and so that's where i want to try to go here is the amount of training that goes into you know into your officers you know uh, on the school side of things you know with with teachers with you know paraprofessionals what you know whomever whomever we're talking about in the educational setting the amount of training that goes into that in, in in my belief training builds trust and I'm sure that there has to be a tremendous amount of training that you do with, with your team, trying to identify as many possible scenarios as you can. How do you train for, again, you can't, you can't say, hey, we're going to train for a wildfire that's going to blow up 100,000 acres in, in a night. But what type of training goes into preparation around situations that can occur, like, for example, East Troublesome? You know, you go. You got to go back to the basics, Darren. You got to go back to what we learned in the police academy, or what you guys learn, you know, in some of your basic college classes. And you, everything starts at a core, and you take that core, and then you expand from it. And so, if you have a good, solid foundation in the core, then then you can move it forward. And so, I talk to my staff about the fact that every incident is an incident, whether it be a drowning, a domestic violence, a tactical incident, a fire. They're all an incident. And the biggest thing is, is you have to have that communication um, internally and externally. You have to have that planning and then you have to have some, you have to have some confidence. You have to be able to make decisions in a quick uh, time efficient manner. And, and that's what we're looking for when our deputies are out there is that, you know, every report, every case has the same reports. Every case has the same, you know, dispatch style, but you have to get out there and you actually actually boots on the ground, be making decisions, the, the, those are key. And so an incident is an incident. And I know that's kind of maybe tough to explain to people that aren't in the law enforcement mm -hmm. world, but, but we, you look at the incident and then you manage the incident as it needs to be done. 
and an incident is ever evolving. And so it's constantly moving. So all of a sudden, first 20 minutes might take you one direction and then you get a quick about face and you got to go a different direction. And so really in law enforcement incidents, it's just a matter of uh, um, quickly recognizing what needs to be done at the time, going back to your basic uh, law enforcement principles or incident management principles, and then using those to guide you in making the next decision. And I, I really try in long-term incidents to myself as the sheriff and then as my staff to focus on what lies ahead 24, 48, 72 hours in an incident. And that actually really was vital in uh, East Troublesome because what we did was we looked at, you know, we knew that if the fire hit Highway 125, these were our next few steps. And so versus looking at the immediate, you also got to look at the immediate and then those 24, 48, 72 hour windows ahead of time. And, and that's tough for people to recognize but it was really critical in an incident like this because we'd already done some of the pre-planning for this fire blow up if it was to happen, even though we never expected 100,000 acres. We, right. we, we knew our next steps that we needed to take. We just needed to tweak those a little bit to make it more successful for our community. So before we go to the school safety thing, I, I, I just actually flash back to a story you told me a couple of years ago, and I might get it wrong. So I'll just have you run with it. Um, there was uh, um, in uh, in the canyon right outside of Hot Sulphur Springs. There was uh, in Byers Canyon. There was a fire very early in your tenure as the sheriff, and uh, you know where I'm going with this, I think. But uh, I, do. Um, um, I remember you telling me something along the lines of, you know, you're out there fighting the fire, and at a point you had to stop yourself and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I need to lead the situation here, not, you know, not do this one thing. And, and, and in leadership, I feel like there's, and I'll use, I'll use the term, it, it, it's both appropriate and also kind of a pun, but you've got to not be a firefighter. You got to step out and be a leader. Um, obviously, with the, with the East Troublesome fire, you truly were a leader in there. I mean, and I, I know I've told you before, I'm going to say it again, your leadership was brilliant during that entire incident. Um, but... You. Talk about the evolution of Brett Schrotland from the guy in the Byers Canyon fire to whether it's East Troublesome or, or anything else that you've dealt with recently. Sure. That, that's actually a great uh, lead in because uh, one of my big uh, leadership challenges has uh, been my 20 years of being a cop's cop is I'm used to being first in on scenes. I'm used to handling things. I'm used to working night shifts. And when you become the sheriff, uh, you're, you're no longer that person that should be first in the door. You need to be able to um, step back and, and lead that incident rather than be a tactical officer or something like that. And, and it's been a challenge for me. It's been uh, something that uh, I've had to kind of change my ways. And honestly, still today, I'm still working on changing my ways. But you go back to um, our rifle range fire that you were talking about in Byers Canyon there. And first on scene, one of the lieutenants and I thought, we can just grab some fire hose and we can start putting this fire out. and we ended up on a hillside where we shouldn't have been. And, um, and you quickly realize that was a 600 acre fire. And I thought I was having a big fire. I thought I was in trouble. And then you look at 600 acres compared to um, 193,000 acres. Um, you learn little things from these little incidents that are really vital for towards your success and um, your abilities moving into these big incidents. And so as much as I struggled with that first incident, um, it gave me a lot of learning experiences that I was able to take into 
these larger fires that we've had. And, and those are important, you know, actually being able to live and learn from every incident that we have and take those and take those after action reports and those reviews and move them forward. Um, that's part of making yourself a good leader. I love that. Yeah. I mean, we, we all grow and we all learn. Um, and, you know, leadership, I, I, I said this, I was a keynote speaker at a conference this, uh, earlier this week. And, you know, I, I said it uh, to, to a pretty big group of like, you know, leadership is one of the few professions where you're expected to be perfect on day one and only keep getting better. And, uh, you know, I, I, I appreciate the uh, the Byers Canyon story um, back when you first told it to me, and of course uh, sharing it here with the listeners on on our podcast. Because, um, yeah, we all grow and we all improve and we all make mistakes. Uh, I think that's something that leaders tend to forget. You know, I mean, I remember my first year as a building principal. You know, going from being an AP to being a principal. I thought I had to be it all. I mean, I had to have every answer. I had to know everything. I had to solve everybody's problems. And, you know, yeah, you have to you have to realize, hey, I, I got to get up on the balcony here a little bit and yeah. lead the hole instead of just trying to, yeah, like you said, you know, be the first one in the door every single time. You know, that's not, I, that's, I that's not another the role. I remember another incident right just down the road from uh, one of your West Grand schools. It was a, a barricaded subject situation. And I was absorbed in the incident. I was the sheriff. I was the incident commander of that call. Um, I knew that call inside and out. And one of my sergeants, who I highly respect, pulled me aside and said, hey, sheriff, I think we're going down the wrong route. And that's what I want to see. You know, those those are the types of communications that keep us all safe, that make our world more successful. But it's that ability as a leader to, to look at that person. And you really don't want to hear what he has to say. But you really also know that uh, that that good communication is the way to go. And you want to be able to have that trust in your people that they can reach out to you and say, hey, boss, we respect that you're the boss, but maybe we can do this a little bit different. And so I rely on that for my team. You know, I tell my command staff all the time, if you think we're going down a wrong path, let's talk about it. Pull me aside. Um, we're in this together. Ultimately, you know, I have to make the decision at the end of the day. But I take these people that have this wealth of knowledge and somebody that could be standing 10 feet off from you can help you make a little bit better decision. So looking out to you leaders on this podcast, use your people, trust your people, let them, let them help you make some of these hard management and leadership decisions. And, and it'll be a recipe for success for you down the road. Absolutely. Like you said earlier, I mean, it's, you got to trust your people and, yeah, you know, absolutely. people, people won't trust you if they don't believe that you trust them. Uh, it's definitely a right. two way street. And, you know, I, I remember the exact incident that you're, that you're talking about um, just, yeah, a couple of blocks North of, of, of the high school. And yeah. um, that's, I think that's actually a good lead into, to talk just a little bit about, about school safety. I, I don't, I don't want to go into the politics of it. I don't want to, uh, by any means, you know, question or, or anything regarding how people responded, you know, um, at, at oh, any yeah. school safety incident. But uh, from from your perspective and, and from your experiences working working with with schools, two different districts uh, in your in your county, um, what are what are some things that school leaders and, and other law enforcement leaders should be doing in terms of working together toward trying to ensure school safety. It goes back to that proactive approach. And I think you, 
you brought it on the lead in is we have to be proactive and we have to be proactive together. You know, we cannot just stand at our own pedestals. We have to actually develop these relationships and develop these uh, cooperations ahead of time. Um, because when a critical incident happens, if you already have those conversations where you and I as the sheriff and superintendent have met, we've had coffee, we've had breakfast, um, you know, I know your principals, we know the layouts of your schools. Those basics are part of that whole basic package that I talked about maybe 10 minutes ago, um, just as far as being prepared and starting a small incident with the basics, is we have to have those conversations ahead of time. Um, I talk to sheriffs across the country and they don't have those, those partnerships. You know, they haven't taken the time as the sheriff to be actually in those schools or they haven't actually been part of uh, developmental planning and things like that. And you gotta do those things before the incident, a positive experience before a negative experience. It's so, so critical is that, especially in law enforcement, have that positive interaction with somebody, whether it's the school superintendent, whether it's the principal, whether it's a troubled youth, have those positive conversations before something happens. And, and that goes a long, long way towards when these incidents do happen, whether it be a fire or whether it be an unfortunate circumstance in a school, we have to have those, uh, those partnerships ahead of time. And that just, that just pushes us a little bit farther, um, you know, making us better when we got to handle that incident. You know, I think, uh, first off, excellent, excellent uh, response. And I think there's there's some real great gold nuggets in here for, for law enforcement leaders and for school leaders. Um, you know, Brett, you and I were able to, you know, establish that relationship early on, you know, uh, I think during my first year uh, as the superintendent. And, you know, the more, the more, like you're talking, the more times we get together for coffee or for breakfast or, or whatever the case may be, you know, just having conversations, I think, just opened those avenues. Um, obviously, as we were managing our way through the pandemic and trying to figure out, you know, is there any possible way to do a graduation? And, you know, I mean, I, I remember, a, you know, a day you and, and myself and, and Liz Bauer just standing out on, on the field at, you know, at West Grand High School trying to talk through how, how in the world can we maybe create a graduation? And what do you think about this? Or what do you think about this? And um, the more of those conversations, folks, that you're able to have, um, the more of those types of relationships, whether, you know, the pandemic brought some great learning lessons for us. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I mean, not just <laughs> not just all the stuff that I unfortunately had to learn about virology and and, you know, uh, quarantining and all that all of all of that management stuff, but but opening the doors to those conversations so that, you know, whether it was public health or law enforcement, fire departments, I mean, all of the different folks that were involved in how we responded as a county. It was it was it was critical that we like you said, we weren't just standing on our pedestals and it wasn't, you know, well this district and this district are doing different things. Frank and I worked very, very close together. We worked closely with you, with with your team. Um, I think it's just a, it's an essential element. So, so folks, I think the big takeaway there is have the conversations, make it a part of what you do. Part of, part of leading is, is growing a network of leaders. And that's something that I will always appreciate, appreciate about my time in Grand County and working with you. And, and those leaders are across all different, uh, parts of our community, you know, get the, get the chambers involved, fire EMS, mm -hmm. county city managers, like, it's not just that relationship between the sheriff or the police chief and the superintendent. You got to have that multifaceted approach 
um, because you never know what you're going to need. You know, never in my life did I expect that I'd be having in-depth conversations with school nurses or with public health. Like that wasn't something I expected 20 (laughs) years ago as the sheriff. And then to be put on an incident management team for operations and having to decide how to run that, um, that's a totally different incident than uh, what I'm used to with law enforcement and fire. But it goes back to what I mentioned before is strong core equals success as your incident gets bigger. That's that's awesome right there, man. I, I absolutely love that phrase. Um, so final question for you, Brett. Same same final question as is for everybody on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Right now, how are you leaning into leadership? You, you know, that's a great that's a great question, Darren. And I think leadership is a constant is a constant work in progress. You, you cannot be a strong leader if you don't continue to work on your leadership. And I think that that applies to me as the sheriff. It applies to all of my staff that I ask to be leaders is that you can't just become a leader and move on as a leader. You have to work up to building, to being a leader. You then have to continue to develop yourself as a leader moving forward. And so that's through conversations like this. It's through ongoing training. It's through learning about um, leadership through different people. We all know that we all lead in different ways. And I think our goal at the end of the day is to lead successfully, however that is. Um, but you gotta, you gotta be humble. You, you gotta learn from other people and you gotta keep learning. You have to keep learning. If you, if you stop learning in this world, you're done. And so whether it be leadership or anything else, if you keep leading, if, if you keep learning, you keep leading. I love it. I think that is absolutely awesome. Brett, thank you so much for uh, joining me here on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Um, This is a great conversation, man. Hey, thanks for having me today and um, good luck to you. Wow. Where do I begin with some of the most powerful pieces from that particular interview? I'm going to start with trust your people. I love how Brett talked about the importance of putting trust in his people. You know, when his deputies are out in their trucks anywhere in the county, it's not like he's right there riding shotgun with them. I mean, they're out there. They're on their own. He has to know that he can trust the training that they've been given, trust the intuition they have, and trust their ability to manage each incident. I really enjoyed how he talked about how each incident is in and of itself a unique incident, but you start with that strong core which is the second piece that I want to go to a strong core equals success as your incident gets bigger. I thought that was the most powerful quote of the entire interview. I'm going to say it again, a strong core equals success as your incident gets bigger. You know, recently I wrote a blog post that talks about coaching as a way of leadership. And to me, this, this goes right to that. If you think about it you think about as a coach, You think about as an athlete, when you get into those situations where things get real tight, when the game is really close or something's really on the line, you have to be able to rely on your fundamentals. And that's the strong core that Brett's talking about. If you have those clear fundamentals, if you just know that we're always going to react in a certain way because that's what's built into our core, that sets us up for success in those incidents. I just thought that was absolutely brilliant. I've put some links in to uh, the show notes. I want you to check those out. 
Um, I mentioned it during the interview that the East Troublesome Fire was just an unbelievably massive wildfire. I put some stuff in there so you can check it out and just get a little bit more of the scope. I'm not going to do a pep talk this week. Instead, I just want to put that into some perspective. My experience during the East Troublesome Fire was, I guess, a little bit unique. We mentioned during the interview that I lived in Hot Sulphur Springs, and during the launch of this fire, when it first started gearing up, I actually was on quarantine for being in contact with somebody who had been diagnosed with COVID. And so I'm stuck in my upstairs bedroom, and the bedroom itself has a window that faced directly north. And during the course of a couple of days, I could actually see the East Troublesome Fire as it began to grow and it began to grow and it began to grow. The day that led into the night when the fire exploded over 100,000 acres in one night, I was watching the planes and the helicopters fly right over my house and at a very, very low altitude, watching them go right down into the canyon just on the other side of the ridge from my house. And we ended up in a pre-evacuation. We ended up wondering, are we going to have to leave? Are we going to have to go? And of course, overnight, the fire just exploded. I mean, we've got some incredible pictures from, from that incident and watching it from right there in that upstairs window and watching it from our front porch. It was an awe-inspiring event. And so I just really want to capture just how powerful an incident that was just to give more scope to what a brilliant job Brett did in leading an entire county during that scenario. I hope this is an episode that each of you as leaders can can take something away from. And hopefully you never have to step up and lead in that dramatic of a situation. But there are great pieces here that we can all take away. I mean, remembering that a strong core is going to set us up for success no matter what happens in our incident. And knowing that if we just trust our people, we can do incredible, incredible things. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I hope you have an incredible week. As always, I'm grateful that you dial in to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. I hope you have a road to awesome week. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.